What's next for IT? In today's economy, technology touches every aspect of the day-to-day operations of business. There has never been more pressure on IT to deliver for our organizations. So what can we expect over the next decade? We need to think differently about how we approach our work to continue to thrive into the future. This requires all of us to be intentional in how we look at our role going forward. Smart IT is an approach to getting the important things done by transforming the way we think, work, and lead. And now, let's disrupt the status quo, simplify the complex, and reduce risk the smart IT way. Hey, hello everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Smart IT Podcast. Today, it is a great pleasure. I'd like to introduce Prachi. And today we're going to talk about a very fascinating topic that everyone should be aware of, and that's going to be about thinking. So we're going to delve into mm-hmm. that and how we apply that to something that all of IT has a lot of attention to these days, and that's in the space of cybersecurity. Uh, so let me welcome Prachi to the show. Hello, William. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Yeah, so today is going to be interesting because uh, even the framework and model the Smart IT uh, podcast is built around a thinking mm-hmm. framework. So right. when we think about the work that we do every day in IT, have a lot of different roles, uh, everything from mm-hmm. building and architecting, designing these nice, sophisticated architectures that kind of support the modern business economy. Uh, so we have a lot of attention for a lot of adversaries out there. So cybersecurity is a very, very hot topic, as you well know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I really wanted you on the show today because you do a lot of work about, you know, how do we actually think about cybersecurity? Yes. So, you know, yes. people think about different forms of thinking, like critical thinking, systems thinking, design thinking, mm-hmm. lateral thinking. So a lot of different adjectives that we can help describe thinking. Sure. So sure. I guess maybe we should start back and find out from your career path. How, how did you find yourself in 2023 oh, in the space of talking about cybersecurity and thinking about it? Um, well, I'm going to say I didn't think my way into cybersecurity. <laughs> yeah. That's for sure. Uh, much like all of us in, you know, in this yeah. industry, um, in cybersecurity predominantly, all of us are sort of ported over from other career fields, right? I mean, the idea or the notion of cybersecurity being a career didn't exist until recently in the last decade or so, I would say, right, if I really push it. So most of us who've come have come from our experience fields imported what we are skill sets into cybersecurity and applying to them today, right? And now, you know, the the generations that are coming up are really studying it in a more structured manner in the, you know, in their universities and their colleges, certification programs and such, right? So my journey, or I tell people my career happened through a process of elimination. Um, but you know, cutting long story short, I basically um have a master's in bioinformatics, which is really applying um, computer science, you know, research abilities, the ability to do um, experiments like real life PCRs is what I've done, um, and applying that to uh, the research, you know, the field of, of biological research, right? So think human genome projects, wow. 
think, you know, our genomic coding and stuff. So yeah, so that was where my master's program was. I was a really good programmer, but then I was like, I don't think I want to be that my whole yeah. life because as you can tell, I'm a talker. Yeah. Um, I love <laughs> I love doing that. And that was something I discovered about myself through my career. And over time, I ended up, you know, in consulting, earned my stripes there. I was in management consulting for a long time, which was a very um, a hotbed of learning, yeah. thinking fast and slow, yes. right? So as that book says. Um, and being able to integrate multiple complex concepts together. And through that journey, um, I was able to work on some projects in cybersecurity that started exposing me to the, um, to the domain area. And over time, I ended up at my now job and my, you know, my, with my former client, um, and they really liked the work we were doing for them at the engagement. You know, I, I converted over as a full-time employee. And then I was handed a very challenging task of, you know, straightening out some very large investments in cybersecurity that they had made in the past years and, and simplify, you know, the storytelling of where the money has yeah. gone, how, what kind of ROI have we received. Um, and I also inherited a team of nine men and one woman. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and so from, so it was a great yeah. leadership uh, challenge. And, and I, I would say part C of yeah. that uh, offer was a set of very unhappy stakeholders yeah. um, who, you know, obviously were like, well, where is this money going? How secure are we? So the, 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 the big questions that are asked in cybersecurity. So I took up that challenge uh, and never looked back. And it's been a great journey since. And uh, working in that space for three and a half, almost four years, you know, working with our chief risk officer, chief security officer, I got the opportunity to work with not just the leads in the cybersecurity area, but all of our stakeholders across the business, right? And sitting in that sort of um, central role, um, I call it the air traffic controller <laughs> as well, right? Um, and, you know, across where, where our money was going, how are we implementing our projects? How well are we doing them? Which projects should we declare sunk costs? I mean, it wasn't just program management, but it was really a strategic way of where to put our dollars where, right, to get the maximum ROI. Um, and it wasn't a small budget. It was a pretty sizable, you know, um, sizable budget. So um, so through that, it's it's just been a tremendous learning journey for me. And, you know, we never look back. And, and that sort of spawned this idea of writing a paper with my uh, partner, Brian Barnier. And um, we wrote an article together called Cybersecurity, the End Game. Uh, it was right before um, COVID time, okay. actually, was when we were doing a bulk of the writing. And once it was published in 2020, um, it actually won Article of the Year Award. And, uh, you know, for the for the thoughts that we had presented there, uh, which was really centered around this business of thinking and how do we tackle problem solving and solutioning um, in cybersecurity, right? And then this whole idea of stakeholder, internal stakeholders, the cyber team itself, IT and then the external whole vendor ecosystem that's going on in cybersecurity, right? Which is very rich and very deep. Um, and so that was very well received and here we are. Right. <laughs> so very excited to see how things have evolved on their own. So you, you raised your hand, took a, a step forward and said, yes. I'm gonna accept this challenge because yes. you mentioned a three letter yes. word, ROI. <laughs> so when you say ROI, yes, a lot of people get scared about that, right? Cause like, whoa, so. You guys gave us some money. We did something with it. And now you're coming back and asking a very, very hard question. What are we getting for it? Yes. And it's, and it's yes. more than just, hey, we got a couple yes. of metrics here and there and say, you know, we're blocking some attacks or we're delivering these initiatives, yeah. which could be kind of, you know, very, mm -hmm. very mm -hmm. uh, uh, visceral. It's, so it's like ROI, return on investment. X amount of people I bought uh, or I brought on board. Yes. All this tech I yes. bought. 
okay, what does it mean? So that really mm-hmm. does say mm-hmm. you need more than just standard thinking. You really need to kind of step yeah. back and think about the thinking that went into, okay, what is this cybersecurity program? Do, uh, what's its purpose? How is it performing? Yeah. So let's talk about yeah. how do you get started with thinking about, you know, what does cybersecurity programs do mm-hmm. for a business? Yeah, um, I w- for me, it was really, I call it you know, my favorite acronym, PPT. I'm a former yeah. consultant, but I yeah. use that um, to, to say people, process, and technology, right? And when that my first sort of formal role was really established, it was around these three areas, right? Like I said, people from a stakeholder standpoint, people understanding what we're doing and really partnering with the cyber team, right? And that is a challenge across pretty much all big cyber organizations today. How do you tell that story, right? In a, in a, and telling a story in a way that your audience understand it. So, so that is that was the challenging part for me. And you know, when when you're in management consulting, you do strategy yeah. all day. But but what was really appealing to me was really applying it to a field that has been trying to get to that place also, right? So how do you explain it in a language that your stakeholders understand? The process piece, exactly as we as we're talking about, how do you strategize? How do you prioritize? Right? And how do you again? balance the needs of the stakeholders with the balancing the needs of what the cyber team actually needs to do, right? And how do we, how do we blend that in a way that is a, not only um, satisfies sort of the ask of both sides, but really doing what's right for the organization from a safety standpoint as well, right? Because that's the critical big collective outcome that we're trying to accomplish. And then the technology piece, obviously, like I said before, a lot of cybersecurity uh, products are, bought in, right? You either customize them, you buy them off the shelf. Um, very few companies build everything ground up, right? So most of it is an amalgamation of legacy and new technologies. And with cloud, it's even uh, crazier, <laughs> blending this whole hybrid model. Um, you know, and some people are just afraid to pull the plug and it's like, I don't know what's going to break. Um, so so that is also there. So that was those were the challenging parts. And, and for me, then the thinking is around how do you even frame the problem that you're trying to solve? Right. So everybody's version of a cybersecurity as a definition is very different. Right. Even people in cybersecurity, if you ask them, depending on what background they come from, um, is what do you mean by cybersecurity today? What is it that we're trying to accomplish? Right. And a technologist will be like breaches for compliance and legal. It would be like liabilities. Right. And and that's their driving factor on what how they drive priorities forward. And largely now. Cybersecurity has become a compliance-based approach, right? I mean, since the 2000s, um, departing from sort of that engineering aspect of it. That is, the engineering aspect is in weaving all the different softwares together, but really looking at it from what is the problem we're trying to solve that is relevant for our organization and what's the best approach to solve that problem, right? So that framing of a problem is preceded by the thinking and really structuring the problem, right? on different aspects of what is it that we're trying to solve for. So that is the very first thing we talk about thinking. And for me, thinking is not isolated from our way of feeling and emoting because there's a lot that goes in there when people are involved. Um, It's not just rational thinking. Our whole behaviors, our whole self is bought in there, right? And we get skill sets that we can apply to a problem that is seemingly disconnected, right? And so that aspect of something called integrative complexity, when you bring it to different a problem that is multidimensional, which cybersecurity is, which people think it's a 2D problem. Oh no, we have an invader, insider risk, whatever, or outsider, we gotta tackle that. No, but it's a multitude of different problems. 
And I and I boldly say yeah. today that cybersecurity is not a technical problem; it's a people problem. Yeah, and it's and it's fascinating because in some sense, if it's a compliance exercise, you have an external source tell you what to do, it can seem very easy, yeah. and your mind can almost like yes. get, become on default, just follow the checklist. Then it would become Correct. like, Correct. okay, they didn't prescribe exactly what we should do and how we should do it. Yeah. So now internally, yes. we have to come together as a team. Interact yes. with the larger IT team, the business side of the house. Yes. And all of a sudden there's a mm-hmm. challenge, right? Mm-hmm. So now based on how we're thinking about the problem, totally. that can be problematic because we may be thinking about it from, like you said, different perspectives across the team. So, yes. Yeah. And so if we're solving for the wrong problem, like we're going to stop every nation stack, nation state attack or all the criminal activity. Absolutely. So all of a sudden we could be Absolutely. all over the board and then the programs look yep. very ad hoc and the business could be looking at us yep. like, you're not communicating it very well. We don't understand the structure yes. of it. And once again, back yep. to what's the ROI on that? So let's talk about some of these yep. different components. So if we took away all sure. the compliance and we took the CISO, yes. Chief Information <laughs> Security Officer, yes. tell me how you're thinking about what ah. your role is. You know, like they have a big whiteboard and they have the entire team together. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine what that mm-hmm. looks like, right? Oh my goodness, that is my dream, my dream come true, right? And I used to, as I have sat in, you know, risk committees, I have sat in operating committee, like all kinds of high level, you know, meetings, I've gone to compliance committees as well, prepared board decks, you know, so I know what kind of information and mm-hmm. updates go in there. Um, and, and I think there are some really, really well-meaning people in cybersecurity, right, who really want to do right by the organization. They really have a mission that they stand by. Um, and like I said, it's going to be my dream because aside from all that noise of compliance, how do they see the problem? I literally used to sit in the meetings and I'm like, gosh, if I get people out of this compliance mindset and literally in a room over a weekend, right? And those are some of the workshops, you know, Brian and I have designed to really think about, hey, if you did not have your lines of defense, like that you sit across in your organization, a brilliant cyber auditor a really good, you know, head of identity management. If they're not fighting each other, that Monday to Friday that they do between their risk audits and between their internal audits, right? And it's like checker, checking, yeah. checker. And they really got together and framed saying, okay, what does our company need from a security standpoint? And they pulled in the application owner on the front line. Can they come up with a great solution? Probably. Yeah right? And outside of the bounds of those confines. And I'm not saying those confines are wrong. They're there for a reason, right? But a lot of the methods that were ported on from a compliance standpoint came from the, uh, what I call lag measures, right? These were like financial accounting practices that kind of got adopted into uh, into cybersecurity. And so our paper actually comments about that. Um, And we have some some very prominent people who've quoted, you know, the intention behind what that meant and how it was meant to be adopted or not meant to be adopted in cyber um, cybersecurity. So I invite everybody to go and check it out. It was one of the most interesting pieces I worked on as part of as, as part of the article. Um, so just coming back to that, right? Um, it, it, just framing that, right? It, it, how are people coming together and working outside of the confines of the work day to day, and if they didn't have to work and use the methods that are there today, could they apply something completely different and come up with a whole different solution, right? Yeah. And so it's really thinking about, it's really opening your mind that there are possibilities other than what we think we're limited to given 
in, in sure, you, you might have to work within those confines. The solution will need to be applied within the context and the confine of your organization, right? You've got regulatory overheads, compliance uh, limitations, but could there be a different way of approaching this, right? And and people do think about, it starts to open them up and they actually talk to each other, not as yes. adversaries internally, <laughs> um, but they actually think about, hey, you know, what is it that we really need, right? And then and then the clarity starts to come. That's not like it'd be very liberating. Can all of a sudden it's like examining what we do, why we do it, and um, how often should we test our yeah. code? Uh, yeah. should, how often, yeah. What type of test should we do for social awareness for our users? You can almost think about yeah. it from scratch yeah. and like, Okay, what are yeah. we trying to protect? Somebody mentioned something yeah. about a technical uh, asset, but it mapped to some type of business service that makes X amount of money. Yeah. So we like the world is wide right. open right there. So it's not going to be a good idea just yeah. to do it anyway. And it contrasts that to what compliance said you should do. Yeah. And you start to understand yes. the kind of the challenges of the people who built the compliance rules and regulations, yes. what they were thinking, see where yeah. they overlap. And I think it'd be a very, very liberating kind of experience for everybody to say, it's nice to really examine what we do, how we do it, and can we yes. do it differently yes. or better, right? And the magic, yeah, and, and you're absolutely right, right? And the magic really happens when, you know, as I say, bring your whole self, yeah. right? So when Brian is doing workshops, he's literally asking people, is who in the audience is the cook? Yeah. Who yeah. in the audience is a musician, right? Who in the audience is an engineer, Right. And really start to say, OK, what are your skill sets that you have learned in your, you know, outside of your profession, right, outside of the cybersecurity specialization that you can apply to that problem? Right. Really start to look at it from the lens of is this problem right now tactical? Right. Is it strategic? It's both. Yes. And right. And then the coaching really happens around um, is it purely like you said, compliance driven or what kind of environment cybersecurity is. I think that really illuminates that those questions around what are you about? What are you bringing from your previous experiences? Right. And what are you learning new and that you can apply as well and really start to look at cybersecurity as it used to be addressed at yeah. one time and before the 2000s as a systems engineering approach, really start to look at it as a system. Right. And a system that is not linear. It's not cause and effect. Right. This is a very random event based, um, you know, environment. Right. And we, we know the random events could be an external adversary, could be an insider, um, you know, threat. But short of not knowing. So, so when you start to look at it from that framework. Right. So short of not knowing when something is going to happen, I think that's the biggest thing. You cannot predict it. Right. Where it's going to come from, how long somebody's been in your environment. How bad is it going to get today, right? So it's a very uncertain um, sort of situation. But then even then, can you start to model this based on a system, right? And a system that is complex and adaptive. So for me, cybersecurity is not, that's why I say it's not a technical problem. When you start to look at it from different lenses to say, hey, what does this look like in other areas of, you know, or other discipline, right? Or other areas of our life, what does this reflect, right? What, how is it similar, Right. And can we apply those methods that have been tried and tested to cybersecurity today? Right. In the way people are organized. A lot of times, like I said, lines of defense really impedes people from collaborating when they could just be getting together. Right. That's that's my biggest one. I always talk about lines of defense. I mean, I've struggled with that a lot. Right. Because I've seen brilliant people. Right. They mean, there's like 10 certifications, lots of knowledge, right? prior experience from other industries and domains. But but they're again limited. 
Um, and it's just easy to understand. So I always use that example. Um, but when you start to look at it like that, right? Like I said, the mind starts opening up and you start to look at it saying, okay, how can I use my cooking methods or how can I use certain management methods that never even were taught in any certification program? They teach governance, they teach you how you can organize, but they don't teach you true leadership. They don't teach you true management. And even if HR and, you know, you go seek external training, it's not customized to the needs and the demands and the and the unpredictability of cybersecurity, right? A sales team getting training is very different than a cybersecurity team getting training on people management, right? And and that's where people start to to get confused. And sort of that's what we've tried to design in our workshops. Um, everyone from board member to mid-career professionals, I coach them personally. We do, do, we do run some group coaching programs as well um, around bringing methods from other organizations, uh, not organizations, excuse me, other disciplines that have tried, been tried and tested that can be applied to problems that mimic, um, you know, the problems that have been solved in other disciplines. Well, it sounds like there's a lot of opportunity here with members of your own team yeah. already, right? So now we're starting to get into yeah. management and leadership. So they need to bring some external help in to help facilitate these type of discussions that you guys are yeah. having. Uh, but yeah. you, you have this yeah. talent, right? You have this cook and the line order person and the person at the front of the diner totally. already on your team. But the way you structure, the way you communicate day to day, and yeah. everybody's always busy, right? So yeah. if everyone's always busy, yeah. never stopping to step back, get together, think holistically, systematically as a yeah. team, right? You can, you yeah. can always feel trapped. Yeah. So let's talk about this. This is a lot yeah. of opportunities here, right? To lead a different type of discussion, a different way of communicating. 100%. You know? 100%. And, and it, you know, you, you, you hit a really good point because... And it's not here be a point because it's not just team management, right? It's it's really about the way cyber professionals are trained, right? They're trained in very blinders on. You go, you look at any big certification, right? It be it any any big one, right? The technical technical focus, rightfully so, again, is very deep, right? And so that led me to say cybersecurity is a field of you know disparate experts who don't always know how to yeah. work with each other. Right. So there's silos within silos. Right. You have, you know, identity access management. You have, you know, ongoing threat vulnerability management. You have risk assessment teams You've all this. But they kind of work independently because it's so specialized. Right. Think about a team of doctors and you have multiple specialists, but you're one human body. Right. And you need that one person who's pulling all the information together. I think that is the missed opportunity that 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 is um, that what we're trying to address in cybersecurity. Right. And I give it a stop slide analogy, actually, in a very simple way. So you've got red, amber, green, right? Green is where all the focus in cybersecurity is today, which is technicality, vendor solutions, right? All the ambulance chasing that goes on um, and all the venture capital money or, and all kind of investments, right? That's where all the money is going. So the green light represents where the focus is in cyber, right? The red light, are you, if you really look at it, we just talked about that. All the methods that were ported from other disciplines, right, that were largely unsuitable for the needs of cybersecurity because the discipline itself evolved as a Band-Aid process, right? If you start to look at the history of cybersecurity going back into the 50s and 60s, right, um, it's, not an, it's not a new field. It's been around. It's just become more, it's, it's become, you know, huge now. Um, rightfully so, again, we've got the digital, physical, all these things going on. But 
But the red light then are all those methods, like we said, people are really set up to fail because I'm you and I have to work a certain yeah. way, right? Because we were told so. And it becomes a very conformist way of working, right? And people are afraid to break out of that, right? And so red is the methods, green mm-hmm. is where all the focus and the attention is, and amber is where I put people in the middle sandwich not knowing what yeah. to do. And that's why the rate of burnout and stress and personal mm-hmm. risk has skyrocketed in cybersecurity, right? Hydrogen Struggles came out with a study at the end of 2022. It was a a global CISO survey, and I highly recommend everyone reading it. In a nutshell, those those CISOs who took the survey cited their personal risk above their organizational risk for cybersecurity, right? And that is not a a good... (laughs) (laughs) I'm laughing as I'm saying this, right? I mean, think about it. It's just it was just sad to read that because you're leading your organization's safety, right? I mean, yes, there's business continuity, there's disaster recovery, but this is digital, you know, safety really is about the safety of your employees and extends to their families and all of the above, um, reputation, you know, and, and financial losses, all of that. And then you're saying, okay, I'm really afraid for my own personal, you know, risk here, right? Because it's 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 fun a whole different way, and it's just sad to see that. Yeah, so it's just this feeling of being trapped. Because one, you can't see other mm-hmm. possibilities. Uh, you've been trained, like you say, you've been trained a certain way. Everybody's coming in, getting yep. certifications. You got this time crunch and pressure. Got compliance. So you, you Google around. You, you you hang out with your peers. Yep. You go to these conventions. Everybody's trying to figure out what everybody's yep. trying to do. And then years go by. Yep. It's like we're still stuck in the exact same spot. So it's yep. like everybody's yep. looking at the problem, potentially only parts of the problem. They're looking at, what you call it, not root cause, but they're looking at a lot yeah. of symptoms and doing spend a lot of effort on symptoms. Symptoms. So let's start talking about. You talked yeah. about before problem framing. Talk about yeah. IT and cyber people working on symptoms as opposed to root causes here. Oh goodness! I mean, the biggest example is most breaches. As you go back and start to doing root cause analysis, yeah. you'll see most of them were self-inflicted. Right. I mean, even though as we talk about, yeah, breaches are getting more and more sophisticated. Once they hit your your border, wherever that is in your organization, right? You can go to the MITRE attack framework and you pretty much know the tactics of how they move around in your organization. That is not new. And and I think this the the symptoms then happen is oh. Let's go after the next big threat. What's the technology behind that? Let's, you know, um, let's look at um, any new innovation yeah. as a threat to cybersecurity of the organization. Then you become the no sayers yes. to innovation, right? And then that is like a whole different saga that happens in a company where it's like, oh my God, I have to talk to those cyber people, right? I have gone through, you know, my own um, being on the other side, you know, since I, I internally transferred into on a, on a, on a different assignment, but um, when I had to talk to cybersecurity folks to get, you know, one of the SaaS products enabled, it was a massive debate, right? And it was something that was very inconsequential, um, right? And and that was after me knowing the topic deep in and deep out. And so and so, it really is about what is it that we're trying to solve for, or is it just you know an, a reaction saying, oh my god, what if somebody's username password is exposed? Well, guess what? You know, it's not just 
You can't just harvest somebody's credentials. Somebody could be overlooking your computer. Somebody could steal your phone. You could have a key logger. There's multiple different ways. The problem was not that the, you know, and I'm just giving an example, a username password, let's let's say, is is exposed. The problem is what can that person do with it and can he get, get into your organization if he has username password, right? And the other big debate was, well, people recycle their username passwords all the time. So what are you going to do? What are you solving for? How much are you trying to control your people, right? And the biggest symptom for me is the, the end user blaming, yeah. right? And and uh, it's like, you know, you clicked on the link and I'm saying, well, guess what? You've got one-year-olds using phones now and you've got 95-year-olds yeah. using phones now. And, and at some point, somebody's going to click on the link. So as a cybersecurity team, do we blame them or keep training them, yeah. <laughs> right? Or do we really question and say, okay, what is our job? What would it look like if people could click on links all yes. day long and we're able to, to tackle it, right? And, and something I learned really well, and I was very excited about learning with Zero Trust um, architecture that originally was authored by John Kindervog because he kind of, you know, open source, people have adopted it, you know, on their, uh, to their own methods, to their own brands. Uh, but the original idea was behind the, the idea of thinking and design principles to say, what are we really solving for here, right? And if people are clicking on links all day long, then, then why aren't we solving that problem? That's a fantastic question. Versus yeah. saying, okay, how many, yeah, yeah. What, 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 what is our role then? Yeah, almost like, yeah. The training and yeah. awareness, yes. It's like yeah, it's fine, right? Yeah, but okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I want to say real quick. It's almost, no, it's almost like we're we surprised that someone clicked on a link, but if we know it ahead of time, years after years after yeah. year, we should design yeah. for that, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because it's human nature, right? Even out of curiosity, some and there's deep fakes and there's all this stuff going on where you are literally challenging a human being, right? And and when they're stressed out, I mean. It's not just cyber people. Other people are also have challenging jobs or whatever. You may inadvertently click. Sometimes you're like scrolling yes. a mouse and you click yes. on something, right? So it could be. So this whole approach that is punitive saying, okay, if you do it five times, you will be punished. And I'm going, okay, this doesn't work. And and so so what are we solving for here? And especially. If you, right. And that is a, an aspect of the problem, but not all of it. And it's really kind of really kind of hits home because the money the business comes and asks you, peeks in the, around the corner and says, hey, what are you guys working on in there? Like you talked about before, trying to figure out which SaaS solution <laughs> yeah. to get. And it's like, we know yeah. we're trying to do business expansion. We're trying to grow market share. Yeah. How is what you're doing yeah. right now yeah. connected? Could, could yeah. they answer that question, right? Yeah. So, I don't think so. None of them, none of them do that, right? And and yeah, you have architecture review boards, you have all kinds of you know, all stuff is required. But again, in the context of what you're solving for, right? The immediate answers are no. The immediate answers are, oh, we're going to cloud. Let's make yeah. sure, you know, how secure can we make it? Or do we know how, you know, like uh, what's the consequence of somebody saying no, right? And so it's like banging on a door. That's not collaboration, right? That's really impeding yourselves and others in moving the company forward. So the goal is if you are in an organization, the, the ultimate agenda of the company, you've got to hook on to that. The guiding principle, how do you frame up what you do every day and design for it? That is the North yeah. Star. Yeah. And and remember, cybersecurity is a function. It's not a profit generating arm of the company. Right. So if you start to put your business hat on, you're much like an HR function, you know, or any other internal function that is supporting the business in order to drive forward. Right. The strategy, the goals, market shares, all of that we talked about. And so. 
a lot of times the budget that cyber pe- you know cyber teams are given um take away from the share of other departments doing their work right and that also creates challenge how do you navigate that when a ceo says you know for cybersecurity we have deep pockets yeah. <laughs> we're not going to compromise and then they ask the sales team or somebody else to not do their initiatives right when they are responsible for revenue yeah it's almost like how do you yeah. then yeah so if you how do you balance that? Yeah, and because if you looked at the whole system as a as a business, the entire budget for security came from some type of revenue, which came from doing something mm-hmm. unrelated to passwords and identity and yep. data protection. Yep, yep. So it sounds like we got a, a a great opportunity here to kind of uh, step back, kind of re- almost reinvent yeah. ourselves and our teams to kind of offload some of the stress if we kind of think about the work we do the yeah. context in which yeah. we do that work, uh, bring in some of the, a lot of the things that a lot of other domains have solved already, right? For decades, they have all this knowledge and resources. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. We were, um, I'll give you a great example. We were actually talking to a group of board members, corporate directors, and um, I gave them the example, again, like I said, air traffic control, right? And, and aviation. So my brother is a pilot. He flies a 737, he's a commercial pilot, right? And he's got, after a certain point when he hits his hours, he's done. Like, he's not working, right? He has to rest for a certain amount of time. That well-being or that cognitive, even if it's for the, you know, for the organization, it benefits them. But it's also for his benefit that his well-being and his cognitive function is accounted for when he's working, right? So he hits a 10 or 12-hour mark. I don't know what it is um, exactly, but they, they pause for a period of time. And then they go back on flight and run, you know, and fly the flight to wherever they need to go. First thing, you know, I would ask the audience is, A, would you get on a plane that is running purely on SOX controls, which is a checklist <laughs> kind of thing, right? So you yes. need, it's the system, okay? And secondly, would you fly would you fly in a plane knowing that the pilot is overly tired? Oof, yeah, very, very dangerous, right? yes. Right? Now compare that with a SOC. <laughs> that's very true. We're not giving humans the same type of level of uh, appreciation for how much can they actually do. How many, how many, how many SOC analysts have pulled twelve-hour days? I mean, that's the lower end of it. Yeah, and I wonder why we have retention right? problems and filling these roles and responsibilities. And now everybody, I think, is yeah. now going to say, "Let's do a hail mary and just throw the word AI into it, and we'll help solve all yeah. these human yeah. problems with yeah. an AI." Because that model will take care of it and be the be the uh, savior. If anything, AI is going to make, you know, jobs more human because it's going to take away the drudgery part of it. It's going to it's going to automate a lot of the um, tasks that were redundant and repetitive. That's its power now that companies are harnessing. Right. I mean, yes, obviously it's going to be evolved. They're becoming more more and more intelligent as they learn. But immediately, even if you look at RPA and apply that to a SOC, yeah. all the ticketing, all the stuff, you know, all that, all those things going through large patterns of data. Right. All of my event logs, all those things are there. But that will that means it's going to free up the humans to do more human-like jobs to actually think, to actually problem solve, right? So think about it like that as well. It's complementary, right? But again, going back to a person's experience, right? So, so as, as Brian and I very boldly say again, people are set up to fail in cybersecurity. Yeah. So can I bring those methods that is that is you know applied to a pilot's uh, you know cognitive and uh, physical well-being and apply that? 
not to that great extent, but can we at least start thinking like that? And just just between you yes. and I, in those 30 seconds, your mind opened up to say, oh, my God, I didn't think yes. about it like that. Okay. Right. Another example we use all the time. And, and, you know, our audience in that workshop really loved it. They were just like, oh, my God, I didn't think about it like that. And all our reporting today, because of because of how we do our controls reporting, they're all lag measures. Yeah. At any point, you don't know what is going on. By the time it gets to even the board level meetings, those things are like probably three weeks old, if not more. Right. And so think about an airline CEO. Yeah. How do they get reports of something that is so dynamic? It's the same model. Can we apply the same thinking? into cybersecurity in the context of your organization. It's still a dynamic system, right? It's complex, it's adaptive, it's messy, it's unpredictable, it's a chaotic system. And so systems thinking and system science rules apply. Well, it's not like for uh, um, everybody in IT, everybody in cybersecurity, this would be a great way to learn more as they try to figure out the next thing in their career path. Yeah. Or more immediate, how can they help relieve some of this uh, stress themselves professionally and their teams yeah. is a kind of, they kind yeah. of get a handle on this. So if they say, Hey, they watching this right now and say, we would love to talk to you a little bit more about what you've been doing around this design, this thinking, it's this whole field of, and domain of cyber. How can yeah. they reach out and, uh, and uh, yeah. connect with you? Well, we are um, available on thinkdesigncyber.com. That is our website. It's got all our information there, the history of, um, you know, the sort of our work. Um, And the term we use is industrial strength design thinking, um, which is a term that Brian coined. um, And it's really about bringing that industrial level, you know, thinking, think big picture problems, think assembly lines, right? Think about looking for solutions that didn't even exist. And again, a very, very... um, Famous example would be is, is Henry Ford, yeah. his example when he invented the car, right? I mean, if you would have asked people in yeah. terms of user yeah. needs, we think about design thinking in terms of customer and UX. No, but it's human and technology interaction. His observation and thinking, if he would have gone and done a focus group, people would have said faster yes. horse cars. Yes. I love it. Right? Yes. Nobody would have even thought about cars. Forget even like a mechanized way. I'm going to even make it faster. I'm going to make it smoother. I'm going to design it. And something that I learned at the Henry Ford Museum, as I'm a, I'm a museum nerd, um, it was, uh, <laughs> it's, um, I learned that he actually, the, the passenger side is where it is today because he observed women um, getting off because he used to wear long dresses at the time, you know, would get dusty in the mud. So he, that's how the passenger oh. seat came on the curbside. So they would get off on the curb and not have that. Like, it was just a simple observation. Wow. And we all take it for granted, right? And so this is this is the way we open up people's mind. It's not about, you know, people feel trapped because they feel like there's no other choice or they're stuck with the choice they can't change, right? And so our job there is to create this awareness just between you and I and the, you know, the half an hour or so we've been talking, you know, it opened up your mind a bit, right? Tomorrow when you go in, you're going to think about that. And that's that's the reward for us, right? If we can create enough awareness to say, yes, I've been conditioned to think in a certain direction. It is not right or wrong, but can I add other things that helps me solve this problem from a different perspective that will give me more of a solution than I was looking for even, or couldn't even think was possible. Yeah, you're going to have me stuck on trying to figure out how fast could we ever have gotten the horse to run? <laughs> 
Isn't that amazing? How, how many horse? How many horses for that horsepower? Yes. Think about you know. I love yes. fast cars. I mean, I am a. Imagine they help. Yeah, I would have had to buy like fifty or a thousand horses and still not make it right. And imagine putting that them all together and yeah. making them run. So, and this guy figured out a way to mechanize it. Created a whole industry around it. Right? There were assembly lines, power plants that started around it. Right? And that was thinking beyond what didn't exist today. Uh, Prachi. And and. Yeah. I think we're going to need to do a part two of this. Oh, 100%. Sign me up. There you go. <laughs> I love talking about this topic. We haven't even touched the people and coaching aspect of it, which which is something that is near and dear to my heart. Um, I will leave the audience with this. There are a lot of introverts in cybersecurity, right, who, again, are growing and becoming leaders of the organization. It's not a technical leadership position anymore. Um, and a lot of people I work with um, – want to step up and become those leaders while, you know, embracing who they are as introverts. And yeah, yeah. And, and they're in high concentrations in cybersecurity. So yeah, for next, next topic, I would love to talk about that. Um, I do talks all over, um, coach people and, and it's very, very rewarding. And it's very yeah. exciting to see what can come out of if, you know, what can come out of that, those conversations simply when people start to look at themselves and look at the problems in front of them from a different level of awareness and a different perspective. Well, the smart. Right. So I won't give you a cyber strategy. I'll empower you to come up with solutions you didn't even think about can have massive impact in a very short time. I love it. Well, the smart IT podcast is going to be doing a part two with you very shortly. Sign me up. There we go. Well, I love having you on today. And uh, for right now, we're going to sign off for this episode. And uh, if you need more information, you can go to WilliamReed.info. And uh, we'll see you on the next episode. Thanks for joining another episode of the Smart IT Podcast, where we explore what's next for IT and disrupt the status quo, simplify the complex, and reduce risk together. If you like what you hear, please like, subscribe, and leave your comments. And for more Smart IT wisdom, check out my website at williamreed.info.